Good evening and welcome to the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. Joined as always by my buddy Rob. How you doing, Rob? All right. Evening, everyone. Yes. Hope, hopefully everyone is doing well. Um, lots of wins on both sides of the hoops column this week. Um, so kind of get it picking up a little bit as maybe they just needed all of us football fans to pay attention <laughs> to get these yeah, teams just, rolling, right? Yeah. yeah. Shoot, shoot your shot. Get that's, everybody watching and then start playing well. That's right. So... We, we are going to go back to our uh, – one thing we want to tell you tonight is we're going to go back to sort of our um, – we did f- four downs in the football season. We're going to go four quarters on hoops tonight. Uh, I guess the men are still playing 20-minute halves, but the women are playing four quarters. And obviously at the pro level, people are still playing four quarters. So we're going to do four quarters on hoops, and then we're going to do a pretty fun, quick overtime topic tonight. But we will try to be a little shorter and sweeter than usual. So as always, we are brought to you. I, I, th- this could be the new normal, though. The shorter and sweeter, I think, is going to be the theme for these non-football ones. When- Possible. Yeah, it's hard. Like I, I got, I got to watch the game on Saturday, but I didn't really get to watch the Elon game, which was obviously exciting on Thursday. Well, that worked out well because I watched that one and didn't right. get a chance to watch that much of uh, Drexel. So. Yeah, so we, we, we certainly don't aren't going to pretend to be quite as expert as, as we pretend to be on football. <laughs> <laughs> um, at least not till we're watching all the time uh, come late season here. But as always, we are brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing Company in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the tap room there in Harrisonburg and tell them that you listen to the podcast and they will give you a free pint glass. And we can't, and please go tell them that. Um, even if you've already gotten your pint glass or you need another one or you're just in the valley for something or you live there, go by and, and just mention the podcast again. Obviously, um, we're not going to have the huge numbers of people traveling down to the Berg every couple of weekends uh, like we do during football season. So don't forget to mention that when you're in there and enjoy some tasty beverages. Uh, we do have, we think, we're going to have a couple, we're working on a couple cool uh, potential guests over the next few weeks, so we're excited. We will certainly be welcoming back some cool JMU interviews. Um, one of them may be in advance of the Winter Olympics for you fellow Olympic fans like us. Uh, that would be pretty cool. But we're going to start with basketball tonight. Rob, do you want to take uh, first quarter with just a thought on either side of the of the hoops? Yeah, I'll just go with... You know, last week, uh, was it Thursday night mm-hmm. game against Elon? Mm-hmm. That was just like everything that the season has been, that was the opposite. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was just so much fun as a fan, you know, as, as somebody who I, I've been slowly getting more and more into hoops and I've watched, you know, a bunch of games since, essentially since the semifinals is when I really started, you know, paying more attention. Right, um, when we had that three-week break before the championship. Yeah. yeah. And I, in that short time, it was just some some gut punch type losses, <laughs> right? You know, just absolutely just other teams coming out of nowhere, things going wrong for Jamie, just absolutely brutal. Um, it was complete opposite, you know, like they, mm-hmm. I looked it up uh, just before we started this and Jamie had a 0.8% uh, win probability with a minute 53 to go. So there was a 99.3 chance <laughs> they were going to lose that game yep. down 63, 53 right. um, with 153. And they, you know, they stormed back, tied it up, almost won in regulation. They went into overtime and kind of won it going away. It was just so much fun. It yeah. was like one of those games when, you know, as a Jamie basketball fan, more time than, than not over the past <laughs> 20 years, you've had to, you know, we've had to find reasons to pay attention. Um, there haven't been too many years where they're really contending for the CAA. Um, I can't think of a time when they've ever been in the mix for an at-large bid. So you kind of need to force yourself uh, a lot of these years and this is one of those years you really need to take kind of a longer view and um, think you know there's some young talent but you, 
you need to create a reason to watch. Um, yeah. Sometimes, not anymore. Like the Thursday no. was was that reason. It's the reason you turn in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of you throw out the records and Elon is not a bad team. They've knocked off, you know, Towson, Hofstra, CFC. They got a winning record. Mm-hmm. Um, granted that, you know, it's that they still have some inexplicable losses as well. <laughs> you know, UNCW right. and yeah. the JMU one is pretty bad. It was really fun. Stucky Mosley, uh, if you haven't had a chance to tune in, he's every bit as good as advertised. Mm-hmm. Um, the young freshmen are terrific. Lewis Banks had a huge, huge you know, game. two games. Uh, two, yeah, what, his first double double. He's 20 and 15. Like, yeah, that's a was, man's double double. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that's not a freshman. No, you know that that's not eleven. It wasn't a TV. No, no, no. And even that, I mean, goodness yeah. gracious, you get a double double in the college level. Hats off to you. Um, it was just super fun. Uh, really, to see them come back, um, it was really fun as a fan, interact with other fans online, as it always is. But the players, it just you could see like when they started to pull away in overtime, it was like this weight being lifted off their shoulders. It was. Yeah, um, yeah it was just it was fantastic. I, I really it was it was one of the more fun experiences I've had as a Jamie fan in the past couple of years. Um, and it was a regular season game on a Thursday in January. That says anything, but yeah. no, it was, it was cool. I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I continue to like, I, this is a fun team to watch. Uh, yeah. They might not win a lot of games, but I really like the athleticism. Um, I like a lot of stuff they do and they need to shoot a little better for sure. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It, it, it's a fun team to watch. Yeah. You, you've been selling me for, for a while now, a month or two on optimism mm-hmm. about this group. And I haven't watched as closely as you had. And for everybody that doesn't know, I work at a, another NCAA Division One basketball institution uh, at about JMU's level. And, um, and I was at my employer's game <laughs> on that Thursday. But I was following very closely on the phone and actually watching a little bit at halftime and then kind of watching, you know, following on Twitter and stuff. And I did. I quit. I was frustrated. And there were three minutes to go. And they were down. I think they were down eight at the time. And I was like, I'm not watching this anymore. And they've been up. I mean, they yeah, they, that's what, that was why I was frustrated. I was kind of excited. I was sitting with my yeah. fellow season ticket holders down here and kind of saying, you know, look, Jamie might win tonight. And then I was like, oh. And, uh, and they hear me, you know, they have to hear me go off about Jamie all the time. And uh, so they're like, oh, great. <laughs> and, and yeah, I turned it off. And then I, you know, the game finished and I sort of wasn't checking my phone and, and drove home and got home. And then suddenly I had like three or four texts like, the Dukes won. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was really fun to see. And you're right they about their free throws down the stretch. I mean, they it was did. 19 to 22 that game. They did not. Uh, do and that, that had been <laughs> no, that had been one of their Achilles heels in the closing moments of some of these other games. You know, well, just and you're, um, the moment getting to them and missing a lot of free throws and stuff. So it was, it was cool. And having watched, you're right about Banks. I mean, having watched that game on Saturday, they found something on offense in that curl play that sets mm-hmm. up the Banks drive to the right. Yeah, like down through the middle of the lane. I mean, I don't know where they what they're doing. I mean, somebody's Coach O'Regan or somebody who's better at the X's and O's could tell us. But that the way they're setting that up, it's I mean, it's at first I thought, oh, it's just a guy like, you know, kind of bullying his way in. But it's clearly opening up. I mean, they're running a play to set that up and it's fantastic. So yeah, that was great. Um for my second quarter, and, and mine will be more on Saturday, in the same vein, uh the inside play they got on Saturday from Dwight Wilson and Devell Phillips was really encouraging. Uh, Wilson's a freshman, and he is a big boy. Uh, you know, not super tall, but definitely, like, takes up some space in there. And he really kept them going in the first half. I mean, he just kind of had his breakout game on Saturday. And then Phillips is a guy who just looks like he's starting to figure out that he can compete physically. And, you know, he's just a better athlete. And that was really encouraging. I mean, 
we've known that, like you said, I mean, we've known that a couple of the players, Mosley, uh, Matt Lewis, right, and, and yeah. then Banks on Thursday, but especially, I think, Lewis and, and Mosley and, and McLean, who's been out. I mean, we've kind of known what they were capable of. But there hasn't... Snowden, Snowden has done a better, like, lived up yes. to the hype that he yeah. came in with with his transfer. He's been much more steady. Um, yes. He hasn't really gone off and had one of these games where he takes, but he's just been much more reliable. Right, but when they got Wilson and, and Phillips involved on Saturday, it just changed everything. You know, they, I mean, Drexel has some pretty good guards, and that game was pretty back and forth on the perimeter. But the real difference in that game was the two inside guys for JMU making plays, and that was really encouraging to see. I love Phillips' game. To yeah. me, like, you know the, the comparison, we're like, oh, he's a poor man, so-and-so. He's, got- he's like a rich man's Taylor Bessick. Like he, he's more talent. Like he's everything. Nothing. Bessick couldn't really find a role, and you know he thought he was going to shoot threes. And Phillips, I think, is what we all thought Bessick was going to develop into. Right. This kind of glue guy who could get things done with athleticism. Like even when he's not pulling down the boards, he's creating more space. Mm-hmm. Um, like you mentioned, Banks plays very well off of him. Like I just think he's kind of that quintessential like glue guy role player that I mean in the most complimentary fashion. Yeah. Not like some. I mean, if he wanted to, he could. I mean, he's a double-double score. I mean, a double Double guy, scorer. yeah. Um, but he could be a guy that, you know, could easily average 15, 16 points if he wanted to. But he seems to just do what they need to have done every game. Um, and and he, he elevates every other guy's games. Yeah, I, I, thought, I just thought the game looks like it's maybe starting to slow down for him a little bit. Like, yeah. he was patient offensively. You know, he doesn't, they don't run a lot of stuff through those big guys offensively. But when he got the chance on the block, he was just patient. And just kind of, you know, up and under, turn, mm-hmm. you know, make your play. Like, and, and it really, I mean, that changed a lot of things. Even when, he, like you said, even when he doesn't make every shot, it's, it takes a lot of pressure off of the, the, you know, perimeter players who are trying to, you know, often forced to create their own shot or taking a long shot. I mean, it, it, it really helps them when they, they're getting some contributions down low. So that was a lot of fun yeah, to watch. They, they had 17 offensive rebounds against Drexel. Yeah, that's that's a lot, and, and a lot I, of them think, were Dwight Wilson in the first half. I think. I think Wilson had like five or six. Yeah, so. and I think almost all of those were in the first ten or twelve minutes. I mean, that really was a big boost to them early in the game before they got Banks and the other guys rolling later on. So, oh yeah, I mean, for anybody to get that many, but for a freshman, to, yeah. to step in a situation like that, that's really encouraging. Yeah, and 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 like you said, I mean, it's just fun to think about if these guys start. You know, it it just you could see after the highlights on Thursday after they finally won a game, just like they said, the weight of the world was off their shoulders a little bit. And they played like it on Saturday. Even when the game got tight late, they just, they looked like they thought they could win. Yeah, and, and this is, the schedule's a little working out in their favor. Like, it's been a weird CAA schedule where they've already finished their, their season against Northeastern and William Mary. Um, two of that's the better, tough. Yeah. You know, two of the better teams. So mm-hmm. what, in four of the first, was it six CAA games were against top teams? Right. Um, and, that, and so now they're getting a little bit of confidence. You know, Drexel, they got UNCW. It's down on the road in Wilmington, but that's a winnable game. It's a winnable game, game. yep. Mm-hmm. Um, then I think what you come back with maybe Towson, and that's a tough game. Towson's well, I think they played Charleston on Saturday. Yeah, you do the they swing. They do the two-game swing the, down there, yeah. That's a very difficult tough game, game yep. down there. Um, and then Towson's always a well-coached and athletic team. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's, it's encouraging. And I, like I said earlier, and you and I have talked a lot, this season for me isn't really about wins and losses. It's about progress, mm-hmm. um, both from the coaching perspective. And I think Roe, like you mentioned, we're starting to see some things, some adjustments where, 
you know, he, he's creating situations where these last couple of games, guys are getting in better spots. I don't think that's accidental. No. I, I think the coaching staff is learning this this roster better. I do think that we've got a situation where this is a little bit more of the type of team Roe wants to coach. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, he was just kind of playing out the string with Brady's mm-hmm. guys. That wasn't his type of roster. Right. There's some good guys on that thing, but that, that, that roster was recruited and kind of brought the Jamie to play a totally different style of ball. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm not thinking like, oh, two, two wins straight, we're going <laughs> to cut down the nets in Charleston. Right. But I do think these are the – what we've seen the past couple weeks are the glimpses that we all were hoping to see as fans. Right. Yeah, definitely. So you got a, anything for us for uh, the third quarter, Rob? Yeah, just um, just poking through the box scores, you start to see some things. And what, what I was encouraged by is the 42 points in the paint against Drexel. Um, yes, yeah, with these it. young guys, particularly Matt Lewis had a great game. Mm-hmm. What I really liked is he hasn't been shooting that well from three. I think that will come along if you compare him to like a Devon Moore or um, you know Ron Curry. His numbers are actually pretty favorable um, mm-hmm. as a freshman compared to them. And we all saw where they went. College players tend to get you know, their, their shooting percentage tends to go up every year. It's not a guarantee, but I think it's reasonable to think he could develop into, you know, a 35, 40% shooter from, from long range. He's nowhere near that now. Um, but I really like the fact that he scored so many points from the line. And mm-hmm. he did that, you know, by going to the hole. The team, yes. the team in general, like you said, they were really going down low and got, bringing guys, you know, mm-hmm. off picks and pick and rolls and things like that and just getting – for an athletic team – that you don't really have any lights out shooters. Um, nope. It's great. Just just do what if you've got an advantage athletically over Drexler or any other team. Just do that. Get to the hole. Uh, if you miss the shots, knock down the free throws like they did, um, or like Lewis did. The whole whole team. Yeah, especially great, missing but... McLean the last couple weeks. You know. Yeah. Probably exactly. their one real capable shooter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's just again, there's a lot of reasons to kind of poke holes in this team. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned that the. the Three-point shooting is not great. Um, they do, but they do a very good job taking care of the ball, and they're aggressive. I love the fact that, like, even when they lost that William Mary game, the fact that Lewis, I, I would have liked Rhoda maybe draw up a better play to get a good look at the end there. Mm-hmm. But having a, a freshman have the guts to, you know, put the ball in his hands and pull up and shoot a three, mm-hmm. I, I like the confidence. I wish it was a better <laughs> shot, but right, I right. love the fact that a freshman's willing to do that. I love the fact that his teammates were okay with him doing it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really like is just more take it to the rack. Um, the shooting will come with time. They'll all improve the outside shooting. Maybe they'll recruit, you know, mm-hmm. more of a of a uh, square up shooter. But for now, I think they're starting to play more to the strengths. And we saw that just by virtue of the fact that they scored, what, 60% of their points down low or, or driving to the hoop. Yep. And it, it's definitely – it also is playing – like you said, it's playing to their strength. I mean, right now they, they have athletes on the floor. I mean, they mm-hmm. have some talent on the floor. So that gives them a chance to – sort of maximize that we're you know trying to set up a you know trying to run a play to set up a guy to shoot a open look from the outside is not necessarily their their best play right now oh, yeah. and it's and it definitely forced i mean drexel on saturday they got into as much foul trouble as jmu did down the stretch and that that helped a lot with matchups late in the game so it's good to see yeah my fourth quarter i'm going to move over to the women's side and just mention that they have now won eight straight they are seven and zero in caa play they have gone from a team that we were all concerned about to a team that has uh, saw one, the whatever the latest you know bracketology, bracketology of the week, yeah. yeah, had moved them moved the CAA winner off of the 16 line and onto the 15 line today, so steadily climbing and and could continue to do so. 
And we've talked about this a couple times on here the last few weeks, Rob, but they played without Kelly Kashuda at least the last game, maybe the last two games, who's one of their bigger players down low. And, you know, with the loss of Precious Hall from last year, this is a team that doesn't have, like, one true superstar. I mean, they certainly are getting the most contributions from Kamaya Smalls. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even when Kashuda went out, who was their second or third leading scorer, it's just, it's kind of pleasant to see. And I'm left to wonder, going down the stretch, I don't know, maybe they get to the tournament and they'll really miss having that stud, true, you know, true, true number one player. But it's kind of nice. I mean, they've been so reliant on one player for so many years. And maybe that's maybe this could be a blessing in disguise for them as they move towards the postseason that a lot of different players have chances to step up night to night. And uh, I'm really hopeful that, I mean, they're getting good contributions from five, six, seven players. So, you know, that could really help them down the stretch. Yeah, I think it's good. In our conversation with, with Koto, I, I think he was trying to be diplomatic and handling it. And <laughs> I think he thought a couple players would start to separate themselves. Sure. But he did seem pretty clear that he he wasn't going to have that, you know, Precious Hall type or Kirby Barkholder. Uh, right. And he seemed okay with that. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you've got, instead of one, like, you know, A-plus option, you've got a couple B-plus, and on any given night could rise to that A. We've seen it with Smalls. Um, I think that bodes better for a tournament, you know, in, yeah. a, in a quick, you know, three-day three day series of games and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just seen too many times in the past, you know, many examples as college hoops fans where, you know, if you got a star player who just goes cold, and yep. there you go. Um, this is a little bit more resiliency, I think, built into it. Um, so I, I'm pretty encouraged by the start. I was as worried as anybody else yeah. with the out-of-conference play. But um, I, I really I really like this team, and I think they're coming together and, and only going to get better. Yeah, I agree. And, and it, it's funny. I mean, there were times the last couple – I mean, I guess Precious Hall played two of the last three years because she had the injury year. Yeah. But there, those last two years that she played, you know, when they got into close games late in the season, I mean, she was basically getting triple teamed yeah. <laughs> at the end of the game. And there were times that she made the shot anyway. And still getting it done. Right, yeah. right. But, <laughs> I, you know, that player is clearly not there. And that's not really a – I mean, I think any coach will tell you that's not, that's not a good way to – an efficient way to run an offense down the stretch. No. You know, so I'm hopeful this year, you know, they can just run their set. And whoever's the open player will will get the shot and, and hopefully be able to hit it when the time comes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that about takes us through our hoops coverage tonight. We are going to move on to overtime. We are very thankful to our friend Rich Priz for uh, a really good suggestion. Actually, we're thankful to everybody who made suggestions on Twitter today for what our overtime topic could be. We got a lot of good ones today. We did. And we got a lot of people with some funny things. Might need to put those in the bank. Yes. A couple of them. Yeah, next week uh, – I don't know if it'll be next week, but a lot of people wanted to know what all of us are going to do instead of watching this awful, atrocious Super Bowl, yeah. <laughs> which is just a choice between, I don't know, misery and worse misery. Oh, it's awful. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Just no. I, so, I can't do it. Yeah. So it, it's really hard for Rob and I. Um, we've talked about this many times, but Rob is a Giants fan. I'm a Redskins fan. So neither one of us can really root for the Eagles in any good conscience. Um. I'm also scared that I I haven't watched them that much this year because they're the Eagles and right. what I want to do that to myself. Yeah, but you're scared um, they're actually going to win one. <laughs> oh no, I'm scared they're going to win a couple. Yeah, that's I, I think, when Wentz comes back. I think back if and, Wentz yeah. was playing, yeah, they'd, they'd be the win by two almost, touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think they're that much. You never want to count out 
Brady and Belichick. But um, man, I, I think they could be the type of team that could win two or three in a four or five years. Uh, and let's, that will just, I mean, whatever. Concussions are bad for the NFL. Eagles being good, worse for the NFL. Yeah. Just, I, ugh, I can't even stand the thought of that. Oh, you don't think the Redskins drafting Josh Allen is going to turn the whole franchise around? <laughs> They're getting Baker Mayfield. That's buddy. right. That's right. That'll so, kill me too. I like Baker Mayfield. I'll need to write him off. Right. I know it's hard because as much as I was, you know, frustrated with certain NDSU things this year, and, and always have a strong dislike for the Eagles, um, it's hard to dislike Wentz. Oh my gosh! Did right. you see that that feature on him? Yeah. The, oh goodness gracious! Yeah. I mean, he's he sincerely seems like a. Really good dude. And, yeah. Um, that story is just heartbreaking, but the way he embraced that family is really, really admirable. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's and he's a heck of a football player. Sure is. Yeah. And hopefully he will come back healthy. Um, yeah. But we are going to do tonight a fun one. Um, our buddy suggested that we do sort of team, our favorite all-time teams across sports. And what he meant was teams that were fun to watch or fun to follow for drama or just greatness. And... They, these were not what Rob and I said is they won't be our teams, so we're not going to choose any teams that we root for uh, traditionally in this. Um, but, but other teams we've gotten caught up in over the years, and uh, I think this is a pretty fun one. Rob, you want to go first? Yeah, I guess um, my first one. I was kind of going back and forth uh, between the Rams of '99, the greatest show on turf. Oh yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, or that Vikings team with randy moss and cunningham i oh, couldn't yeah. go with the vikings i never liked chris carter i wasn't like a chris carter hater mm-hmm. i just i just didn't like the guy i liked everybody on that rams team um yeah that was the marshall well, fox marshall Fock, isaac bruce tory hall yeah um people forget the kurt warner situation i mean yeah. it, it was pretty like trent, trent green trent green was you know got hurt and went the second preseason game and it yeah. was like Kurt Warner's backup write that team off they might have an outside shot at the playoffs I mean that was the ultimate underdog story um, it was like straight out of a Disney movie but that team was so much fun to watch you know they they could just go get it and light <sighs> up the scoreboard I've got to go back and look at the numbers and see if they're even impressive by today's standards yeah like who the knows explosion of passing but that was just a, a super super fun team to watch um, I always enjoyed watching Kurt Warner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I loved his kind of late career resurgence and that Super Bowl with run that he went on. Yeah. Um, but that that whole, you know, Rams team was really fun. And I don't know if you remember, like, they had a really cool rivalry for a couple of years there with the Bucks when the Bucks were, like, the defensive Yes. Um, yeah. You know, there were a couple of, like, appointment viewing Monday night football matchups. Um, mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It just as an outsider, like, that was just a fun – at the time, it was, like, groundbreaking that you it could was. play that fast and have that many people, you know, who could just do damage with the ball in their hand. And Kurt Warner, I still say, in his prime, might have been the most accurate QB I've ever seen. Um, other guys have had stronger arms. Other guys have had, you know, different school mm-hmm. uh, skill sets. But Warner could just put that ball where nobody else could get it but his receivers. Well, I was just going to say, the whole team looked like an Arena League team. And Warner yeah. had come out of the Arena League. Yeah, uh, Warner also a one double A guy, Northern Iowa. Yep. Um, yeah, no, that team, and actually the second the second year of that team might have been even better. Oh yeah, and that was the team the, that got well, upset by the Patriots in their yeah. what would become the first of their run. Well, Vinatieri's kick was like yeah. forty something yarder in Norway. They shouldn't have been there because that's the that's the that's tuck, rule. tuck rule. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> run to get there. So yep. yeah, um, it's that's always great, something with the Patriots. It is. It's a great choice, Rob. Well, I'm going to pick my only football choice here, too. And, Rob, you know this one for me. 
Um, I don't do much gambling anymore, but when we were in college and fresh out of college, I did quite a bit. And before they were what we all know and love today, the Boise State Broncos were just simply the ATM of college football. Yeah. The, I think the time when we were in school, when, um, I don't know, certain associates of ours may or may not have been <laughs> taking bets. Um, and then a couple years afterwards, there, there was a four-year stretch where Boise State was 44-4 and four against the spread. And most of those spreads were like Boise were by large. 20. Yeah, yeah, they were in the, you know, in the Mountain West and sort of pre, prehistoric days. And obviously that Boise team, and, and they did. Every week they ran trick plays. That was when the blue field was the only unique field out there. Uh, but mainly, and, and oftentimes their games were on at like 10 or 11 at night. So if you're in college or like fresh out of college, the kind of games that on the East Coast, when you're a little bit degenerate in your ways, you're you're happy to saddle up and watch. Yeah, um, yeah, those teams were really fun, and obviously they they sort of culminated with that insane Fiesta Bowl where they beat Oklahoma and on like three or four trick plays in a row. With the I mean, statue, didn't they have the Statue of Liberty? They said an open and, ladder yeah. to tie the game, a Statue of Liberty to win the game. Uh, and then an the end zone guy, proposal. An end zone proposal. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was really fantastic. So I, I love those Boise State teams. Oh um, no, they were great. They yeah, were great. It, was, it was kind of the ultimate outsider mm-hmm. coming in, and then and then getting it done once they got you know was it big time. Fiesta Bowl? Did they beat Oklahoma? I think, yeah, Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. I think yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was yeah. nice to see. You know, for years they were kind of knocking on the door. No, oh, they never played anybody. And then much like you know, like TCU and some of these other teams have done after um, or UCF. Mm-hmm. When given the opportunity, they, they went right up and, and won the games. Sure. And then did JMU real solid <laughs> due to a scheduling snafu that led to a pretty big win for JMU. Is that the, oh, yeah, because they played Tech on Monday night. On a JMU Monday night. Tech. Yeah, on Tech. Yeah. All right. Good Actually, work, Broncos. JMU was just better, man. That's right. That's right. We were way better. Yeah. Nothing yes. to do with that. Nothing, Nothing to do with, with that. Short, no. Um, Okay, my second team, I'm going to go out on the West Coast as well, and this this will probably date me a little bit, but no, I'm going to go with Loyola Marymount Basketball. I'm glad you chose that because that's that was that was definitely in my list, but I have okay. four, so yeah, that's awesome. Okay, yeah, well, I mean, like Hank Gathers and, and Bo Kimball, um, yeah. the Hank Gathers situation is, is tragic, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he died in it was 1990, and this kind of shocked me. I, I looked it up. I could have sworn it was earlier in the 80s, but it was actually in 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, that team was something else just to watch. You know, they could get up and down and score oh, yeah. some points. Um, not a lot of defense. It was, it was, but it was really fun to watch. And then after Gathers tragically died, they still went on a, a run in the tourney. Remember Bill Kimball? Oh, it was incredible. Well, that was what I remember is the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, the tournament. I mean, going, well, I remember like watching them, you know, when Westhead first got out there, like mm-hmm. with my friends in elementary or junior high, like, you know, waiting up and watching them, yep. the late West Coast games. But that tournament run, it, it's always fun when the country gets behind an underdog. But in this situation, with you know their leading scorer, leading rebounder had unfortunately passed away on the court, and then Kimball, his best friend, um, just going off that tournament, shooting his free throws left-handed to honor him and making yeah. them. Uh, it really was just like it, it was pure joy, but also like tear-jerking moments um, sitting there. You know, it was, it was that. I don't know, that was one of those things. Like I could have gone with. Um, I thought that Davidson team that Steph Curry was on yeah. when they went on a run. Yeah, that was yeah. But it wasn't the same thing. It wasn't, you know, because still, like, Davidson has somewhat of a history with you know, I mean, Lefty would, having been, been yeah. pretty successful there in the 70s. And, um, you know, Steph Curry, son of a 
NBA player, but that Loyola Marymount team was really, really unique. And then the situation was just tragic, but kind of heartwarming the way that they played for gathers and everything. Well, imagine if Dave, I mean, imagine if Davidson had had gone to the Elite Eight after not having Steph Curry. Right? Yeah, I mean that's that's how. I mean, Hank Gathers was the leading scorer in the nation. Yeah, and you know he passes away, and then they go on that run. It's it was just incredible, and and of course they lost to the that. I mean, that was the insane UNLV team. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, I that was what the score of um, that game was. It was like 180 to 150 or something. With like right? Greg, Greg Anthony, Stacey Augman, Larry Johnson. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. such Park. a fun. Yeah. And that was how Loyola, Loyola Marymount played all the time. Yeah. I mean, it was really fun to watch. Yeah. That's a great choice, Rob. Um, actually, uh, it's really funny that you said that. And I know this is going to, I can't believe that he's going to, but he's going to make it twice. Um, but Paul Westhead is my other one, is, is mine as well. And this, I know this is sacrilege for a JMU fan. Um, <laughs> but growing up in Fairfax, um, I, I went to, I, I grew up I, literally five, you know, a thousand yards away from the Patriot Center. And I went to a million Mason games with all my high school buddies I played high school basketball with and stuff. Um, one of our friends' dads was like, I don't know who he worked for, some beer distributor or something, but they had a, you know, season tickets right down on the court, and we went all the time. And Westhead, after all his failures everywhere else, had a little stint at George Mason. Yeah. And they had this guy on the team. I can't remember his first name, but his last name was Ross. And they were so bad. I mean, they were horrendous. But they did the same Westhead offense where they would give up twos to just run down and chuck a three. And it was when they were, you know, the night when they were on, it was so much fun to watch. And we were just, you know, idiot kids, right? Ninth grade or something. And there was nobody in the arena. I mean, it'd be like being at the convo. And you could just yell at a guy like, shoot a three. And he would turn and shoot yeah. a three and look back at you. Like, we had so much fun with it. And, th- and they lost every game like 130 to 110. Well, by that stage of his career, Westhead was essentially like LeVar Ball. Yeah. In terms of this. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even an offense. It was just like orchestrated cherry picking yeah. going on where you just get a rebound and just overhead pass whether somebody was there or not. You know, they were just going for it. Yes. For my Fairfax um, people, it was just a basic Saturday afternoon Ratcliffe Park game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes. So, exactly. Just how many points can we get? Don't right. even put your hands up on D. Just yeah. keep going. No, just I gotta smoke make, coming out of the scoreboard. What? I got to get mine, right? I mean, yeah. It's, just, yeah, it's constant. So that's pretty funny. What's your uh, number one, Rob? Well, I... I, I, this might be a cop out. Like I was going to go, um, like I, I really enjoyed Duncan Spurs. I know everybody made fun of him. So being like boring, mm-hmm. I, I actually, I, I like Duncan. I, I like Ginobili. Yeah, um, I love pop. I like watching Tony Parker, even when they played a more slow down style. I found it enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always liked David Robinson. Sure. Um, and like Ciega. a lot of, yeah, like, like a lot of people a couple of years ago, I really was blown away by golden state Warriors. the golden state just being so much fun. But, that's getting to be a little bit Patriots-esque. Yeah. Um, blooms off the rose a little bit. I'm going to go a, a little bit of a cop-out. Rather than choose a team, mm-hmm. just as like something that I was really, really excited about and always wanted to tune into was the um, Colorado Avalanche-Detroit Red Wings rivalry in the 90s. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not the biggest hockey fan. I love the Caps. I watch a ton of Caps games. Um, and then, you know, that we all know how that ends every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not somebody who like, I will tune in and watch a random NBA game. I won't watch a lot of non-caps games. The exception being 
these Avalanche Red Wings games were great. awesome. You know, they, both teams were great. You know, you had Patrick Waugh and and then, you know, Scotty Bowman coaching the, the Red Wings and everything. Um, Claude Lemieux and just some really, like, Hall of Fame-level players. Uh, they were competing for the Western Conference every year, and they hated each other. And it was not a situation where it's like, oh, they seem like, you know, they're really up for this game. Like, you got the impression as a fan that these guys really, really hated each other. There's a story about Scotty Bowman, like, cursing out Claude Lemieux in the parking lot as Lemieux's walking away with his wife and kids. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was the, the fights in these games yes. were not simple, like, oh, you know, two guys dropping gloves. It was the, those all-out brawls where the goalie skate to center ice. Well, and then they guard. got the goalie, and that's how they won the cup, right? Yeah, yeah. And they I get mean, it was, uh, Patrick Waugh, right? Yeah. He came at the end of his career and won another one over there? Yeah, it, I mean, it was Ray great. Borg, it was just, yeah. Yeah, it was just like really well played hockey, but then you had that underlying tension where there could be an all out, you know, sport leading sports center sort of brawl at any moment. Um, it was it was one of those things like I, I was living with like Mike Friedman and mm-hmm. you know Tim Biggins and yeah. Doug Heron time and Doug's a big hockey fan. Okay. Mike and Tim couldn't really care, but they always wanted to watch these games with mm-hmm. us. They were like, Oh, you know, it was like drop what you're doing on a Wednesday night and tune into whatever versus or whatever low rent cable channel had the NHL right. at the time. Um, so I, I mean, what, I didn't really care. Uh, I was born in Detroit, so I guess right. I was probably pulling for them in some way. But I just wanted to watch, like, really fantastic and kind of violent and destructive hockey at the same time. So this is really funny because I didn't know about the rivalry all that much, but mm-hmm. I lived in Colorado at the time. Right? I lived from 99 to 2001 in Colorado. Yeah. And the Avalanche were very much on the rise and they were very, the, very much the popular team at the time. Uh, I don't, I think the Broncos were kind of down. The Nuggets were terrible. Um, but, and of course where I lived, Rob, you remember where we lived the first year I lived out there. And the rumor was that Joe Sackick on the house yeah, that's said, that was like, like at the like end of like the most isolated house or something. Right. Yeah. Yep. People would go camping in his backyard cause he was never there. But the biggest thing was that Breckenridge brewery, which is now like a huge, I'm sure they're owned by Anheuser-Busch or something. But at the time, they were just truly a little brewery there in Breckenridge. And in the playoffs, it's a great idea for a pale fire. <laughs> no, yeah. um, in the playoffs, they, they did this special where during Avalanche games, in the first period, beers, the Breckenridge Avalanche Ale, right, is their kind of signature beer. And it was like 50 cents in the first period, a dollar in the second period, a dollar 50 in the third period. And then if they went to overtime, all the beers were $2.00. But if they won, your whole tab cleared. Oh, if wow. they won in overtime, your whole tab cleared. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, they won the Stanley Cup, right? And I can only imagine how much money that place made off all the shots everyone bought. You know, every time they won 16 games or whatever. I mean, I, I don't know That's how many. That's a great t- promotion to draw people in. It was insane. And they served food there. So people would be there for hours on end, you know, just – I mean, people's tabs no, must cool have been, incre- yeah, despite was, was clearing the beer tab, the, the place must have been nuts. And uh, yeah, that was, I, I had no sense of, of hockey at the time, uh, you know, really watching the Avalanche or anything like you. I kind of grew up with the Caps, but I definitely remember going to four or five of those games just for this, you know, incredibly fun special. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's awesome, Rob. Um, yeah, cool. So what do you got for your last one? So my last one is the Sacramento Kings. That oh, right, the Jason white Williams, chocolate? yeah, the Chris Weber, Jason Williams team, just so much fun to watch, and and so kind of you know they run into the Jack and Kobe Lakers and Vladi and Vladi, yeah, I mean yeah. just like such a fun team, uh, you know there was a 
couple Blazers teams at the time that were pretty fun as well. But that Kings team, and I had no, you know, I have no affiliation with the Kings or Sacramento or whatever, but man, that was just really, really fun to watch there for a couple of years. And, you know, I'm sort of lots of hardcore hoop heads would say that they were somewhat robbed by the Lakers. Oh, go, go back right. and right. look at the box score. <laughs> right, right. Or, 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 watch, or watch the games. Watch anymore. the games, yeah. But yeah, man, brutal. were those teams fun. And they had just kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, I, I mean, everybody knew Chris Webber. But really, other than that, you know, Vlade was a little later, later in his career at that time. And, and then Jason Williams just dropped out of the sky uh, or ran West Virginia, I guess. And just there were two or three years there where they were the, – I mean, they were like watching the Warriors the last few years. I mean, they weren't that good offensively. But they were so much different than everyone else and just so much fun to watch. Oh, they were great. And yeah. I, I still find myself getting lost every couple weeks on like a Jason Williams YouTube vortex. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like not just those old highlights, you can still find him like dropping crazy assists and like around the back passes and pulling up 25 and like some over 40 league down in Florida. Oh, you know that guy's never going to stop playing, right? No, I mean, he's, he's, yeah. he's, oh man, like do yourself a favor. Go, go back and look at those tapes. Weber was a heck of a passer too. He was. Um, and and so was Lottie. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. The three of them together just made it so much fun to watch. Yeah, they were great. That was a fun style. And it's like, just keep your hands up because at any given point, somebody could be could be dropping a dime. Yeah, that, that Nike commercial. Actually, you started by talking about Randy Moss and the mm-hmm. Vikings team. That Nike oh. commercial, you know, Moss and yep. Williams played together in high school and they played high school basketball together. Yep. I, I don't know what you can say. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's an unbelievable collection oh, of yeah. talent right there. Yeah, so it's, it's not even fair. No, but... Thank you guys for listening as always. Um, we are sponsored by Pale Fire and we hope you will visit the tap room when you're in Harrisonburg. I'm trying to find a chance to get there sometime before the end of the basketball season, but we'll have to see. Um, certainly going to be watching a lot this week. We're very excited about the way both teams are playing and looking forward to having a few guests on here. Uh, if you guys have good ideas for this, don't forget to go to the blog, comment. You can always hit us up on Twitter or Facebook at uh, Jamie Sports Blog. And anything else to add tonight, Rob? No, just, uh, I don't know. Just whatever. Uh, we, oh, my, my team won. My eight and under team. We got our first one of the season. All right. Saturday. Yeah. We avenged our, our first game. Double digit points? Two. Yeah, we lost 6-2 the first game. <laughs> a, little, a little bit worried. Um, but we came back and won 14-12. Come from behind victory. 14 uh, points. That is an offensive explosion. It was crazy, man. And this is, I mean, well, I only have like three or four guys over four feet. You know, that's so. I'm, I'm, I'd love to get like a four and a half footer, but, right? But they're playing on ten foot hoops, so I was really proud of them. We get double digits. I was, yeah, I was they got excited. that ball up there. All right. Yeah, it was nice. And we we were down, whatever. I think 10, 10 eight <laughs> yeah. in the fourth quarter. And just came story. You know, had an explosive fourth quarter, uh, and got it done. And then big defensive stop. The other team called a timeout. Tried to set up a play. Thirty seconds left. <laughs> seven eight year olds. Dribbling off my guys the top, right? inside the three point line, put their hands up, don't touch anybody. <laughs> I love it, and, and it worked. So. And it worked. Good work, coach. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Well, congratulations to uh, to you, Rob, and to the team. Um, yeah. 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 Big thing. Big things on the horizon. That's right. And we will talk to you guys next week. Yeah. Have a good weekend. Go Dukes. <laughs>